Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 hey guys it's morgan zeggers if you haven't yet hit subscribe today we've got a fun episode we've got another update on the satanic balenciaga fiasco we've got san francisco that just approved police robots to kill people and what the heck is happening in china what the heck's going on with the relation between china apple elon musk Twitter, the American government, and all the other players that we see fighting about it right now. Okay, it's getting a little confusing, so we're going to break that one down. Let's get into it. All right, you guys, before we get into the Balenciaga update, you have all helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to my listeners. Right now, MyPillow is offering exclusive offers on their bed sheets, their six-piece towel set, and even offering an extended 60-day money-back guarantee. Orders placed now through December 5th will have an extended money-back guarantee through March 1st. The Giza bed sheets are marked down as low as $29.99, and believe me when I say to you, you will get a great night's sleep in these. Their six-piece towel set is made with USA cotton, comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths, typically retailing at $89.98, but now just $39.98 with promo code MORGAN. There's limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-738-8374, use promo code MORGAN, or go to MyPillow.com and use promo code MORGAN. Thanks, guys. Okay, so I don't want to spend too much time on the Balenciaga thing because we've talked about that quite a lot already, but the story just keeps getting worse, you guys. Now, I don't know if anybody's ever had thoughts that you think are super original and you think, dang, I'm so creative. I am so smart. (laughs) And then it turns out like, wait, that's been a thing for quite some time. For example, I basically had this vision of like, I want to start a cowboy church one day because I can't find another cowboy church since I moved out of Arizona. I loved going. It was so beautiful. It was such a great experience. And sometimes I go to churches and I'm like, I don't really know how that made me feel. You know what I mean? Like, would I want to bring a family member here if I was trying to bring them to Jesus? Probably not. Um, But then there's some churches that just, they just hit perfectly. It's awesome. And so Cowboy Church in Arizona did that for me. I haven't found one yet, really, that I've felt the same way about since leaving. So I'm still in the process. But I got in my little head of like, hey, no matter what, I want the people close to me to have the same experiences or the same opportunities to experience what I experienced at Cowboy Church with like country gospel and sunshine and grass and nature. Like when I was at Cowboy Church in Arizona, we literally had like a a coyote just walking around behind the pastor during service because it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's super fun. Um, And it's like outside in this outdoor building style thing with this beautiful wood uh, church built up behind it. It's super cool. So I was thinking, you know what? I'm going to have my little homestead. Maybe on the other side of my homestead, I'll build a cowboy church pavilion, outdoor church kind of style thing. And on Sundays, we can have like community gatherings, but not just random people invited. Like it could just be our close people or even just our family and our kids. And we could just listen to music and have a nice time there and really spend that time. Maybe doing a Bible study. Who knows? I was going off on ideas. And then I was like, you know what? Want to know what people also need? They need a gym. 
They need a library. They need a community area where we can all gather together. But again, and not for everybody, just for people that are like genuinely intending to improve themselves and be closer to God and get physically healthier and just really become more intentional people. So then I start going on and on. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to build a church and then we'll provide curriculum through that entity. And then we'll create a lifting gym where it blasts Christian rap music, aka the playlist called Crunk for Christ. (laughs) I'm going to call out John Root. John Root listens to a playlist called Crunk for Christ. And he sent it to me. said it to me he said don't judge the name it's kind of good <laughs> and so we'll we'll play like cool music like that <laughs> john root can dj it and um on top of that there'll be like a reading section and it's just the coolest place and then of course like a little farmer's market like i'm going off in my head of thinking i just created the coolest thing since sliced bread and it only took me about an hour to realize that i just reinvented the ymca or any other normal community center <laughs> in my head. (laughs) And these things have been in existence for decades. Um, The concept of a community center is like centuries old, at least. So wasn't exactly the most original idea, but I still like to think I'm kind of smart for coming up with the idea thinking and not realizing that it already existed. You get what I mean? So that moment happened again with the Balenciaga thing, because I swear you guys, I was laying in bed and I was thinking, what if Satan is just hiding in plain sight in this Balenciaga situation. Like, what if with Hollywood and with all these fancy names, because, like, what the heck does Balenciaga even mean? And I'm just riffing off the top of my head, chilling by myself. I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, I wouldn't put it too far past them to have, like, completely named their thing something straight-up satanic, and we just aren't even catching it because it's just, like, another fancy-named fashion brand or whatever. And that was it. Like, I was just like, yeah, that'd be kind of crazy, but... I don't really recognize anything in the name. Literally flash forward a couple days. And last episode, you guys will notice that Glenn Beck noticed and talked about it on a show that they had this like tape roll in the photo shoot for Balenciaga with like the inappropriate thing with kids. And it had B-A-A-L and Siaga instead of Balenciaga with just one A. And that B-A-A-L is literally the guy for child sacrifice in our faith. I mean, like, whoa. So then, so then, this is the new update. Somebody put two and two together, and they said that they were talking to, like, their friend that knows Latin. And their friend was like, did you know that if you break up B-A-A-L-N-C-A-G-A as if it was a sentence instead of one word, and you had the B-A-A-L with the two A's right there. It's basically saying that Baal is king. Is king. The guy for child sacrifice in this faith, in this story of all of it, is king. Balenciaga. Isn't that kind of crazy? I can't wrap my head around it. I was shocked. I was horrified. I had no idea. And so... If that doesn't just give you chills, I don't know what else will. I mean, you, I really don't know what to say because I'm kind of like blown away at how outright this has all been. Perhaps they just really thought they could get away with all of this because it's been so clear and so out in the open for so long and nobody noticed until now. And like, did we just foil the plot? Did we just expose 
a huge thing and we don't realize how serious the situation really is right now? Or was it just like a crappy advertising campaign? Because I'm kind of thinking now, because of the name thing, that maybe we just stumbled upon a huge, huge discovery. I don't know. Okay, but I'll tell you what. I'm excited to see what happens next. Now, that being said, let's talk about another satanic thing. And by that, I mean robots that are allowed to kill people for the police force in San Francisco. (laughs) Uh, I saw Joe Rogan post about it, and I was like, please tell me this isn't real. And then I Googled it, and what do you know? It's super-duper real. It's not just a little real. It's super-duper real and super-duper approved by the politicians in San Francisco. So I found this article by The Verge. And it's titled, San Francisco Approves Use of Remote-Controlled Robots to Kill Suspects. It's by James Vincent. It says robots can be armed with explosives to contact, incapacitate, or disorient violent, armed, or dangerous suspect in extreme circumstances, according to the SFPD, the San Francisco Police Department. The article says San Francisco's police will be allowed to use remote-controlled robots to kill suspects. The city's board of supervisors last night approved a controversial policy, yeah, I'd say so, that lets police robots be used as a deadly force option when risk of loss of life to members of the public or officers is imminent and outweighs any other force option available. The San Francisco Police Department, SFPD, said it does not own any pre-armed robots and has no plans to arm its current machines. As SFPD spokesperson Allison Maxey explained in a statement, the department's robots can now be equipped with explosives to contact, incapacitate, or disorient violent, armed, or dangerous suspects in extreme circumstances to save or prevent further loss of innocent lives. Currently, the SFPD owns 17 robots, 12 of which are operational. The machines can broadly be divided into two categories, large and medium-sized tracked robots used to remotely examine or detonate explosives, and smaller bots designed to be thrown into target areas for reconnaissance and surveillance. All of the robots owned by the police department are designed to be primarily operated by humans and have limited autonomous functionality. Limited. I mean, have you guys seen any of those movies about tech that, you know, it starts out innocent and limited is a good word for it. And then what do you know? They're way smarter than us. It kind of freaks me out. Freaks me out. It says police departments in the U.S. have already used remote-controlled robots to kill suspects. The first such incident is believed to have occurred in 2016 when police in Dallas used a bomb disposal robot to kill a sniper who had shot and killed five officers at a rally. At the time, the action was praised by some for swiftly ending an hours-long standoff and criticized by others for effectively allowing the police to execute a suspect without exhausting alternative options. At the time, Dallas Police Chief David Brown said officers saw no other option but to use our bomb robot and place a device on the on its extension for it to detonate where the suspect was. In San Francisco, AP News reported that the policy was debated for two hours, only two hours, before being approved, eight votes to three. One proponent, Supervisor Raphael Madel- Mandelman, Mandelman? Mandelman, said that those arguing against the policy may, quote, start looking to the public like they are anti-police. What? Board President Shimon Walton, meanwhile, who voted against the proposal, responded that he was not anti-police, but pro-people of color. Okay, so now this is a race thing. He said, quote, we continuously are being asked to do things in the name of increasing weaponry and opportunities for negative interaction between the police department and people of color. 
this is just one of those things. See, my frustration with it is like, this is a concern for citizens, for people of all colors. All people could be wrongly put at the end of one of these deadly robots that are, you know, approved to kill and right now are limited, but could potentially become less limited over time. You never know because you can't trust the government with stuff like this. Uh, And so it's really sad to see. What do you know? We're playing cultural Marxism games again, dividing people by color. The proposal was criticized by numerous civil rights groups. The Electronic Frontier Foundation, EFF, said it was typical of police-military mission creep, the process by which hardware developed for use in war zones is deployed against civilians. We've already seen this with military-grade predator drones flying over protests and police buzzing by the window of an activist home with drones. Elsewhere in the U.S., police departments have rejected similar proposals. Oakland's police department initially approved the use of the robots to remotely kill suspects, but later reversed its decision without explanation. The policy had been criticized with a report from The Intercept revealing discussion by officers about the possibility of arming a robot with a shotgun shell. (laughs) I can't. can't. Okay, so I want to highlight, though, let's go back to what the Electronic Frontier Foundation said, that we're seeing what they call police military mission creep. I think that's an important concept these days because it says that it's when you use hardware developed for war zones deployed against civilians instead. And by that, they mean American people, American citizens, civilians, Uh, because apparently we have a lot of undocumented people here, too. Got to throw them in the bunch because they could get killed by a robot as well. And you know what? As much as I don't like the fact that they came illegally, I still don't want them to be killed by a robot. I could say that. Okay, that's a fair concept. Now, what do we know about our government? They are claiming, like somebody like Kamala Harris, for example, she said that her biggest concern for the future of our country is protecting our democracy. She says that's the biggest threat that our country faces. And who does she think is threatening democracy? Extreme MAGA Republicans. Now, what is an extreme MAGA Republican to anybody on the left? It's literally just a normal American that is highly frustrated with liberal and leftist policies, the corruption that we see, the cronyism that we see. And, oh, my gosh, how dare we? We tend to be conservative or Christian and believe in decentralized local government. We maybe don't want our kids to be sexualized in the classroom. We maybe want to say that there's a difference between a man and a woman. And, hey, maybe we even do the horrid thing of expecting someone to show an ID when they show up to vote. And, oh, yeah, maybe even just vote on that day. Something as simple as that could spark the left to call us evil extremist MAGA Republicans. And then, of course, for our vice president of the country to do things like say that she's worried and considers this to be the number one threat for the future of America. So the fact that we're seeing them take these war instruments and bring them to be used by the police forces in cities against American people It just makes me nervous. You know what I mean? I mean, just, you know, put a little two and two together here. Speaking of our federal government hating us and potentially hurting us in the future, have you seen what's going on with the situation in communist China? We talked about this recently, but basically the zero COVID policies of communist China are leading to things like people being welded into their homes. What does that mean? I know this is a crazy concept because we are live in such privilege in America. I know we're dealing with a lot, but in general, we live in such privilege and basic safety and security 
that it's hard for us to wrap our heads around this. But yes, the people living in something like a city apartment in a downtown of communist China are having government officials force people to stay in their homes and not just say, you know, lock down and you'll get told that you need to go home or you'll get a fine or whatever. No, they're sending out welders on behalf of the government to weld the metal doors of entire apartment complexes shut. All for what? To prevent the spread of COVID. Zero COVID policy. It's uh, a level of evil that we have a hard time wrapping our heads around because, again, we live in such privilege here, right? <laughs> it's, a, it's just something where it's like, wait, what? Like, imagine, imagine someone coming to your home and saying, we are going to lock you in here. You're not leaving. And they physically force the doors welded shut and you just are not allowed out. So the spark of the uprisings that we've been seeing lately is the fact that a fire started in one of these completely closed buildings that the government shut and locked the people inside of. And it killed many people that were stuck inside of this apartment complex. So that happened. We're seeing some people in America on the left who are like, oh, my gosh, what is going on in China? This is not right. This is not good. It's nothing like what we were supporting here in America with our shutdowns and stuff. It's totally different. It's totally just a step out. Way too crazy. They can't connect the dots between the fact that they are on the path to behaving like communist China in the future if they continue to allow this kind of authoritarian and totalitarian mindset in our politicians to control our lives. But that's, you know, a whole thing. We're seeing that, but we're also seeing complete silence from some American politicians like the Biden administration. And then we're seeing companies like Apple do the dirty work of the Chinese Communist Party. That's right. Apple. We're all using our Apple products right now. I'm looking at my Apple phone. I get it. I'm about to get a flip phone, I swear. If I'm married, I'm getting a flip phone. If I could just be at home, I would get a flip phone. I've got all my Apple products. I'm looking at it right now and I'm really mad at myself because maybe we do need to like step it up with with fixing this. But Apple basically helped the CCP calm down the protests for people who are like, hey, please don't weld us into our buildings, communist China, please. (laughs) We just are asking for some really basic stuff here. And Apple decided to shut down airdrop in the country of China to help stop any communication of what was actually happening, basically to suppress the voices and the ability to communicate with their Apple products any communication between the protesters against the CCP. Apple did that. So perhaps you're listening to this on your Apple phone. Like, it, it, I really am curious about this, you guys, because it's like we don't have many options, right? <laughs> like, it, What do we do? <laughs> Is there a phone out there <laughs> that I could be like, maybe I haven't seen this yet. Maybe I'm not researching correctly. Maybe I accidentally searched it on Google and I should be using DuckDuckGo or whatever it is. But like, is there a phone out there that we could perhaps move to? Because I'm getting pretty disgusted after this story. I try my best. I basically nothing that I have is from communist China except this phone. And I'm looking at this stupid laptop right now. It's sad. It's really, really sad. But they have this lock over us and they can do this kind of nasty stuff like suppress the poor people of communist China from speaking out against their government. They do the dirty work of the Chinese communist genocidal regime. And you and I are here just like talking about it on our Apple products. I hate this. Let's fix it. Okay, I'm going to look into it. I'm going to write a sticky note. I'll report back on that one. But all of this going on 
we had the situation with China. We had the situation with Apple. And then we had DeSantis speak out about it. Then we had Elon Musk and Twitter. All of that is being combined because we're seeing a lot of hypocrisy. So that's what I wanted to go over for the next half of the episode. Listen, I want to start off because I found this funny meme. Benny Johnson posted it on Twitter. So it says, here's the liberal left and what they're saying now. They're basically saying that China's policy is totally different from the U.S. or Canada and that they never would have supported such harsh measures. That's why they support the current protests in China. But they did things like, oh, I don't know, wanting the Canadian truck protesters, the truckers, to be imprisoned. So they were happy to see the people in Canada that were protesting against COVID policies put in prison and completely shut down and had their money taken from them, their accounts closed, all this kind of stuff. But then they look at China and they're like, oh, well, that's actually really evil. And we we stand against it. So the meme calls him out for saying that. But then it says this was you guys last year. Here's just an example. On January 13th, 2022, here were the numbers. 59% of Democratic voters would favor a government policy requiring that citizens remain confined to their homes at all times except for emergencies if they refuse to get a COVID-19 vaccine. So that's right, you guys. Almost 60% of people that vote Democrat believed in forcing people to stay in their homes at all times except for emergencies. So my question is, they have all these grand ideas, right? We'll, we'll have everybody stay home. Well, how do you enforce that, dum-dums? It's things like socializing the economy. They say, oh, well, everybody's going to own everything, and it'll be the people in charge of industry and business instead of the evil corporations and CEOs and, and business people that are greedy. Okay, tell me how you're going to enforce that one. I'll tell you how it's enforced. It's enforced via force and violence and bad things happening. Because when you have the ideas that you have that often have to do with forcing people to do certain things that they don't want to do, taking away their free will, taking away their choice, there's only one way to accomplish those kind of political goals that you have. Now, I personally think that the left, the liberals in this country, they just are so able to easily talk about things like, oh, yeah, just fire them from their job, just force the vaccine, whatever it is. They talk like that because they are so out of touch with how harsh human history is with how harsh other countries are to their people, etc. They live in such luxury here in this country that they're able to talk about these ridiculous and scary dictatorial policies without understanding like what they're even saying, what they're asking for. You know what I mean? That's why like they're able to say that they would, yeah, love to keep people in their houses unless it was an emergency. But then they look at what it looks like to force people to stay in their homes the way they do in China. And they're like, oh, well, we wouldn't do it like that. <laughs> It's like how they look at Venezuela. They say, well, ours wouldn't turn out like that. We would look more like Nordic Europe because, you know, Venezuela is all violent and stuff. That's just, you know, the evil, corrupt leaders in charge of the revolution there. They just did it wrong. They just they forgot to bring the democracy side to it. They forgot to bring peace and love to it. <laughs> I, I could go on, but I'm just going to stop right here. So I thought that was interesting. Another another interesting number from, again, January 13th, 2022 it says nearly half 48% of Democratic voters think the federal and state governments should be able to fine or imprison individuals who publicly question the efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccine. <laughs> if this isn't proof that we live amongst tyrants, our neighbors are tyrants. Like, don't get me wrong. I love having unity. I love having close friendship and community and neighbors and all this really great stuff. But it's really hard to do that with people that are totally fine with looking at a sham of a vaccine that is now proven to be completely ineffective 
and they're able to say, I actually, yeah, with no science out, we should we should throw people in jail for even speaking out about how they don't trust this. We should throw people in jail. Do you see how it's like, you know what? I actually read something recently. I actually saw this from Apologia Studios. I love that page. Jeff Durbin. He said, you claim to be forgiven, then forgive others. You claim to have peace with God, be at peace with others. You claim to love Jesus, then love the people he died for. Bitterness, unforgiveness, divisiveness, and factions are possible indications we don't really know him and have never experienced forgiveness and peace ourselves. If you belong to him, we must look like it. And so I totally agree. But here's the thing. Some people will look at me calling out those who say, well, we, 48% of us, think that we should be throwing people in jail for publicly questioning the efficacy of the vaccine. And they say, Morgan, I thought you were a Christian. Morgan, I thought you are supposed to be forgiving and love the other side, love thy neighbor, all that stuff. Like, why are you being so harsh? Because, you guys, just because I believe in forgiveness of others and I would love to get along with everybody and, of course, I want to bring a kind heart to situations, that doesn't mean you just allow tyrants to rise up and oppress people by the millions. There's a huge difference. I think we should stop, obviously, being snotty and rude to each other on just basic policy disagreements, like the rifts between Republicans and Democrats and all the little political factions in this country is ridiculous. It's childish. It's silly. And unfortunately, it's kind of just like a money-making industry, right? That's, I think, the kind of stuff where people are like, I thought you were a Christian. Like, why are you being so harsh to the other side just because you disagree? So that, totally. But there's a big difference between that and then us as a whole, no matter what side you're on, dealing with people that think it's okay to throw others in jail for just questioning the efficacy of something like a vaccine. Are you tracking? There's a big difference. So please don't ever let somebody shame you and say, I thought you were a Christian. And now you're saying that that you won't give amnesty to the people that were declaring COVID tyranny a couple years ago. You got to forgive us. We had no idea. The science was just unknown. It's so silly. Okay, last number. 45% of Democrats would favor governments requiring citizens to temporarily live in designated facilities or locations if they refuse to get a COVID-19 vaccine. We never learn, do we, folks? We just never learn. Okay, so that being said, that meme basically exposed the hypocrisy right now of people who are like, well, yeah, what's going on in China is really bad, but totally different than what we were doing the last few years in our country, uh, because it's really only just a few steps away. So what is the White House saying, though? Because we're having kind of different reactions from different sides. Let's watch what the White House is talking about as this is all coming out. So just to follow up, John, on the China issue, why is the White House's line that everybody has the right to peacefully protest and not the U.S. thinks it's bad to lock people up in their houses to stop COVID? We've, we've made it clear, Peter, that uh, uh, a, a, a lockdown is, is not a policy that, that uh, we're, we're going to support here. We've, we've come a long way. Uh, over these last three years, hard to believe three years in terms of uh, treating COVID and preventing COVID. So uh, we've said, you know, a lockdown is not a policy that we support here. Um, but obviously there are people in China that, that have, a, have concerns about that and they're protesting that and we believe they should be able to do that peacefully. Okay, so if you haven't caught on to what they're saying right now, the White House is in no way saying 
geez, what the CCP is doing right now is disgusting. It's horrific. As Americans and as the representatives of the American government, we wholly stand against any kind of force, as in welding people into their apartment complexes and disappearing protesters, okay? (laughs) It shouldn't be that hard to say as, like, the president of the United States, but this is legit the Biden administration's spokesperson, John Kirby, one of the top people representing Biden's administration. And he's saying the the people in China should be free to, to protest. Wow, that's a real hard hitting statement you got there. Do you want to talk about welding doors shut? Do you want to just address quickly that that's probably a no, no, too? Nope, that's all they're going to say because they're politically correct and because Biden is bought by China. Sillies. So then we had our favorite guy, Tucker who decided to cover this because something sketchy happened beyond just communist China doing this to their people. They had some assistance, and I want you to see it. Unless you read the Daily Mail, which is an English paper published online, you probably didn't know that Chinese President Xi Jinping sent tanks into a major city last night in order to put down protests against his rule. Virtually no American media outlets even acknowledged that that happened, and that's pretty weird if you think about it. Imagine, for example, that Hungarian leader Viktor Orban put tanks into Budapest to crush his political opponents. Would our media notice? (laughs) Oh, yeah, they would. It'll be on the front page of The New York Times. Morning Joe would lead with it. And keep in mind that Hungary is a very small country. It's got a GDP smaller than South Dakota's. China, by profound contrast, has the biggest economy in the world. China's our main global rival. It's a highly significant place. And yet somehow no one in any newsroom in America noticed when Xi Jinping decided to replay Tiananmen Square. They just didn't see it, even though the pictures were on the Internet. How's that possible? Could it be that the American news media is covering for the government of China? You can't say, well, let you make the call on that. We can say we know for a fact that Apple is covering for the government of China. Apple is the most valuable company in the world. It's got a current market cap of trillions of dollars. Financial listings describe Apple as an American company. You can see why they do. Apple is headquartered in the United States. It was founded by Americans. To this day, it's run by an American citizen. But those facts don't tell the story. In fact, at this point, Apple is in no sense American. Apple's loyalty is to the government of China. And if you think that's an overstatement, consider this. Earlier this month, Apple did the bidding of the Chinese government to crush domestic protests against the Communist Party there. Apple did this by disabling its permanent airdrop feature in China, and so far only in China. It's the only country in which it's disabled. So why did Apple disable that feature in China? Well, because that feature, permanent airdrop, allows iPhone users to communicate directly with one another without using the internet or cellular networks, both of which in a totalitarian state like China are controlled by the government. And that means that without permanent airdrop, it's effectively impossible for freedom-minded citizens to organize with one another. They're powerless. Apple, of course, knows this. And that's why when iPhone users in China began using permanent airdrop to complain about the Communist Party, Apple just shut it down. In other words, and again, this is not an overstatement, Apple is now an active collaborator with China's murderous police state. When tanks roll into a Chinese city, Apple is rooting for the tanks. Well, for a company based outside San Jose, this seems like a big step. Becoming a partner with a Chinese police state? Yes. 
And yet, once again, this fact received virtually no coverage in the United States. Apple's decision to side with the oppressors over the oppressed, Apple's decision to actively help America's enemies to hurt ordinary people seeking freedom, it just wasn't news in the view of the New York Times. Not that you should be surprised by it. Apple has been sucking up to the Communist Party of China for many years. Watch this clip from 2017 of the company's CEO, Tim Cook. China's done an unbelievable job of lifting people out of poverty. They've done an incredible job, I mean, far beyond uh, what any country has done. We were talking about 19, mid-90s to today. The biggest change is the number of people that have been pulled out of poverty by far. And we should all applaud that. And we should all feel good about it. And so there are, in, in the environmental leadership today, is very clear, and it aligns completely with Apple's values. The, the Chinese uh, the uh, environmental Ch- leadership, yes, government. Yes, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're very fixated on, on uh, doing the right things to avert climate change. Oh, a very clever pastiche of half-truths and lies. So in the first category, it is true that China is far richer than it was 30 years ago. That's indisputable. But what Tim Cook doesn't mention is that much of the money and virtually all of the technology, a large proportion of which was stolen, came from the United States. So that's a debatable claim at best. But environmental leadership from China, that is not a debatable claim. Tim Cook is telling us in that clip with a straight face that the Chinese government is a model for environmental stewardship. And that is completely ludicrous. China is the opposite of that. It's the greatest offender against the environment. China is the biggest polluter in the world by far. No country comes close. Not just in carbon emissions, they're building new coal plants. But in plastics in the ocean, in heavy metals in the ground, polluting the land and the water, China leads the pack. No one's close. That's widely known. So if you're claiming otherwise, you're just lying, which Tim Cook absolutely is. But the question is, why is he lying? Why does Apple as a company and its CEO in that clip and many others feel the need to cover for the Chinese Communist Party? Why does it feel the need to help the Chinese Communist Party oppress its own citizens? Those are good questions. We reached out today to Apple. We wanted to hear their side of the story. We did not hear back. So instead, we will bring you Tim Cook's most recent explanation. This is from last year. Here it is. You have been criticized for not speaking out on human rights issues, for example, in China and other other countries as well. Uh, This is something I think a lot of companies that, that have been doing business in China struggle with. A number of companies, as you know, have abandoned China. How do you think about that? I think that we have a responsibility as a business to do business in in as many places as we can. Uh, Because I think business is this huge catalyst. I I believe in what Tom Watson said, is world peace through world trade. You you have to get your head around when you're operating outside the U.S. in any country in the world, that there are different laws. And and so that's that's part of both the complexity and part of the beauty of the world, is everybody has their their own laws and customs. (laughs) There's a reason that guy runs the world's most valuable company. There's talent there. Notice the total lack of defensiveness. The question effectively was, you're getting rich from business with bloodthirsty dictators. He's not bothered by it. What we're really doing, Mr. New York Times guy, 
We're seeking world peace through world trade. World peace through world trade. So helping the Chinese police state put down peaceful protests with tanks, it's not a sin. It's a virtue. It's a blow for world peace. So with all this being said, you might be wondering, okay, well, I wonder what happened next. Did, did anybody shame Apple for doing this? Are we now focusing with big stories on what Apple has done to the poor people of communist China? Is that the big focus with tech and apps and everything? No, no, no. Instead, the Biden administration is focusing on a different app. That would be Twitter with Elon Musk. Keep in mind, Elon Musk, a successful businessman, fairly bought an app. And what do you know? The left just cannot stand the fact that they don't control the leadership and the functions of one of the most popular communication forms for American politics in the country. Here is KJP, the press secretary for the Biden administration, explaining what they are focusing on right now, given all the concerns going on globally. Question about Twitter. Um, you know, there's a researcher at Stanford who says that this is a critical moment, really, in terms of um, ensuring that Twitter does not become a vector for misinformation. I mean, are you concerned about the, you know, Elon Musk says there's more and more uh, subscribers coming online. Are you concerned about that? And what tools do you have? Who is it at the White House that is really keeping track of this? So, look, this is something that we're certainly uh, keeping an eye on. And uh, look, um, we, you know, we have always been very clear. Um, and that uh, when it comes to social media platforms, it is their responsibility uh, to make sure that um, when it comes to misinformation, when we when we comes to the hate that we're seeing, uh, that they they take action, that they continue uh, to take action. Again, we're all keeping a close eye on this. We're all uh, uh, monitoring uh, what's what's currently uh, occurring, and uh, we see you know we see it with our own eyes of, of what you all are reporting and just. For, for ourselves, what's happening on, on Twitter. Uh, but again, social media companies have a responsibility to prevent their platforms uh, from being used by any user uh, to incite violence, especially violence uh, directed at individual communities, as we have been seeing. And the president has been very clear on calling uh, that out. He'll continue to do that. Uh, and we're going to continue to monitor the situation. Go ahead. Thanks for like, why, why do they have to keep an eye on Elon Musk's Twitter? Why do they have to monitor the situation? It's not a situation. They made it into a situation because it has to do with threatening their level of political power in this country. It's concerning, if you know what I mean. All right, next thing. We have, oh, thank goodness this happened, Ron DeSantis, who could clearly address the situation because Republicans, usually conservatives, we have such a bad time communicating these things. It's simple, you guys. Come on, just speak out about it. Go on offense. Instead, I don't even know what the Republicans in D.C. are doing. At least we have Ron DeSantis. Here we go. There's reports that Apple is not allowing the protesters to use this airdrop function where they're trying to communicate. That obviously is providing aid and comfort to the CCP. And so you see that report and that's very concerning. And then when you also hear reports that Apple is threatening to remove Twitter from the App Store because Elon Musk is actually opening it up for free speech and is restoring a lot of accounts that were uh, unfairly and illegitimately suspended 
for putting out accurate information about COVID. That's like one of the main things that's being reinstated. So many things these experts were wrong at, and you had people on Twitter that were calling that out. And Twitter, the old regime in Twitter, their response was to try to just suffocate the dissent. And, and, and Elon Musk knows that's not a winning formula, and so he's uh, providing free speech. And so if Apple responds to that, uh, by nuking them from, from the App Store, you know, I think that that would be a huge, huge mistake, and it would be a really raw exercise of monopolistic power that I think would merit a response uh, from, from the United States Congress. And so uh, don't be a vassal of the CCP on one hand and then use your corporate power in the United States on the other to suffocate Americans and try to suppress their right to express themselves. And so I'm glad, I'm glad things are changing at Twitter. And I know there's a lot of work to do with big tech generally, but, um, uh, but this is big progress, and we're really happy that that is now happening. Yeah, so that's the ironic thing, you guys, is we have Apple, a company that is allowing the CCP to suppress the voices of concerned and scared protesters in communist China. That's what Apple's doing over there. But then what is Apple doing in America? Threatening to shut down Twitter in every way that they can remove it from the app store even, just because conservatives want to have a voice on a platform. And Elon Musk is not like, hey, I'm going to remove liberals or whatever. He's literally saying, I'm just going to have a free speech platform. And that alone is so traumatizing to people in power, like the leaders of Apple, like the politicians in our government, that they think that there's no hypocrisy there in these kind of actions in communist China helping the CCP and then the shutting down of just an honest company like Twitter just because someone they don't like is in charge of it. It's so weird. And just to close off, I want to show you how ridiculous this has really gotten because remember John Kirby, the guy who's spokesperson for Biden's administration? He just went on Fox and said that, you know, the situation with Twitter— and the situation of Apple and communist China, those are uh, two completely different situations, two completely different circumstances. Let's check it out. General, and we've uh, been clear about this all around the world, we, uh, uh, we want uh, individual citizens, uh, no matter what government they live under, to be able to communicate freely and openly, transparently and reliably. Uh, and we've, uh, we've made that clear with respect to Iran, and we certainly continue to make that clear here with respect but to China. And Apple, to Apple? <laughs> Apple, Apple's a private company, Martha. They have to make uh, decisions, and uh, they have to speak for those decisions. But, but here at the White House, here in the administration, we want to see that, that individual citizens, whether they're protesting testing or not. Uh, but in this case, I know that's the context we're talking about, are, are able to communicate freely and openly. But why not say something to Apple? Because we were just told the other day that the White House is keeping an eye on Elon Musk and Twitter. So why yeah. would you say that from the podium? You didn't say it, but Karine Jean-Pierre said it, and not call Apple out for helping the Chinese government to suppress their own people's ability to communicate. Again, I think we've been very clear and consistent on this, uh, certainly publicly. We've been very open about uh, our desires to be able to see citizens communicate. Uh, and, and, you know, Apple, uh, if this is a decision that they're making, then uh, they should have to speak to that. But uh, we, you know, we're not, we can't. And we aren't in the business of, of telling private companies how to, to execute uh, their, their initiatives. Yeah, but Twitter's uh, but a private we, company, too. So why is Twitter getting one treatment and Apple's getting another is my question. 
Well, these are completely two different circumstances. You're talking about the potential. Well, you're talking about the uh, the potential for perhaps uh, foreign investment and involvement uh, in the management of Twitter. That's a different issue than what we're talking about here, which is a business decision by Apple with respect to how one of their uh, applications is being well, utilized. Certainly, they're getting influenced by, the, by a foreign government, uh, and that government is China. And Apple's no, policies, look, they've changed policies specifically for China when it comes to what they put on their phones. Right. I mean, and that I think, seems like something Apple, that the White House ought to be able to keep an eye on. I th- certainly think that's a fair question to ask Apple and, 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 and try to un- and make them uh, communicate why they did this. But I'm asking, uh, has we, the White House done that? I, have you reached out to them as a matter of national security, since we obviously have national yeah. security concerns with China, who they seem to be aiding sure in do. this process? Sure. I don't have any communications to speak to specifically with Apple executives. Again, it's a private company. Uh, they make these policies, and they should have to answer for that. What we want to see is that citizens are, are reliably able to communicate, whether it's a time of crisis or not. Yeah, but you, I, I go back to the same thing, because we were just told that the White House will keep an eye on Twitter because they're concerned about the new Twitter 2.0 that Elon Musk is putting in where he wants more free speech on Twitter. So they're going to keep an eye on Twitter, and yet you're taking a hands-off approach. You say there's been no communication with Tim Cook at Apple about this process in China with the Chinese government? Martha, I'm not aware that there's been any conversations uh, specifically with Apple on this particular issue. It's a private company. And as for Twitter, again, Martha, these are apples and oranges. We're talking about potential foreign investment issues, and I have nothing to report in terms of any investigations in that regard. But that was the general concern with respect to to Mr. Musk's uh, purchase of Twitter. Uh, This is a different issue. This is a policy issue inside of Apple. Uh, They they both involve foreign governments, I would argue. Um, So, you know, we can circle back around. Uh You know, you guys, those are just two. Two completely different circumstances to the Biden regime. That being said, if you haven't yet, hit subscribe. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll talk to you again on Monday. Have a good weekend.